In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there's a song that I absolutely cannot stand. It's a popular, I don't know where it came from. It's kind of a popular song. It's not a pop song. Um, I've only heard it at some Catholic masses before, kind of towards the end, but I think it's, a, it's not a Catholic song. And I don't really know what it's called, but it starts with the words, go and make a difference. The whole song is about, I think they played at graduations and things like that, go and make a difference. The whole song is about now that you're graduated or now that you've accomplished this thing or now that you've grown up or now that you have reached some, some level of maturity, now go out into the world and make a difference in the world. Go be something big, go be something, go do something, go accomplish things that are gonna change the world, are gonna make the world a better place. Go do these things, go become an influencer. Go change the minds of people, go change the hearts of people, go change policy, change the political arena. Do all these big things that people can see and change the world. I don't know why they play that at Catholic, at Catholic masses, and I'm not going to blame anybody for doing that, but what I despise about that song is it, is, doesn't, it refuses to understand the underlying meaning of Christian living. Christian living is not that people are baptized and then they go out and make a difference. If you've noticed, Jesus did not make a difference in the world. I mean, obviously we have a church that is, you know, Christianity is, has over two billion adherents in the world, but fundamentally he didn't really change the world. There's still sin, and there's still really evil sin. There's still a lot of darkness. People still suffer. Many people blame Jesus for this, and therefore they say, Christianity is not a true religion. Jesus didn't actually accomplish anything. Karl Marx, in fact, Karl Marx, who is the one that the founder of the communist ideology, Karl Marx said, Christianity has had 2,000 years to save mankind and it has failed to do so, so now we need a new system. And then he, him and Engels wrote the Communist Manifesto. Because the Communist Manifesto is supposed to be an economic and a political system that's going to actually enact change in the world and make the lives of people better. That was, that was their theory. And it was supposed to do that on a practical level. It was supposed to do that on a political level. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not about going out and making a difference. Jesus did not do that. What did Jesus do? If Jesus didn't go out and make a difference in the world, if the United States or the West in the year 2023, almost four, is as immoral as the Roman Empire was in the days of Julius Caesar, what really did Jesus accomplish? Well, he accomplished salvation. He saved mankind. He saved mankind, but not from suffering and not from pain. He did not save mankind from the ability to commit sin and to wreak havoc on the lives of other people. He gave us the opportunity that we can become saved people. The ideology of the world today is very hyper-activist. Go and make a difference means go and be an activist in the world. Go and make a difference means go and change things. 
What does our faith tell us? Who's the one that has done more for the world than any other human being ever, besides our Lord himself? It is Our Lady, Mother Mary, has done more for the world than anybody else ever besides the Lord Jesus himself. How? We see it prophesied in the Gospel reading today. Today's Gospel reading is the account of Jesus being taken to the temple to be circumcised first, and then at the end of uh, 40 days to be presented to the Lord. This is an offering that every first, firstborn male that opened the womb of the mother would be offered to the Lord, would be taken to the temple and offered to God. The first one was holy to the Lord. This is from the Old Testament. And when they went, a prophet, Simeon, an old man, who was inspired by the Spirit and who was told by the Spirit, you will not see death until you see the Messiah, he was in the temple, and he's the one that carried the child Jesus in his hands, and said, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for someone, a sign that is to be spoken against. These are words that he's using from Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, we have the songs of the suffering servant. Isaiah 53 is written about 700 years before Christ, before Jesus. And Isaiah prophesied that in the day when the Messiah comes, he's going to be a suffering servant. He's going to suffer. He's going to suffer on behalf of Israel and on behalf of the entire world. By his stripes, we are healed. That's from Isaiah. And so everybody after Isaiah realized that the good man that comes into the world, the savior of the world, is the one that's going to suffer on behalf of the world. And it has to be like that. Why? Because one who is innocent is going to take the punishment from God for everybody who is guilty. An innocent man is going to take the punishment on behalf of the guilty. And it is that act of love by the innocent for the sake of the guilty that's going to save the world. Love is going to save the world, and it does so in Jesus. But we're not Protestant. The Protestant belief Generally, not all Protestants. The general Protestant belief is that Jesus died for us 2,000 years ago, and therefore we are saved throughout the ages. Jesus died for us, and I believe that he died for me, and therefore I'm saved. I'm good to go. I'm safe. Unfortunately, many Catholics believe this too. But that's not true church teaching. That's not the theology of the New Testament. It's not the theology of the tradition of the church or the fathers, or the popes, or the magisterium, or anything. What is the teaching of the New Testament? I'll tell you from one line of St. Paul. I complete in myself what is lacking in the sacrifice of Christ. When St. Paul says that, it's very confusing. St. Paul says, and I repeat, I complete in myself what is lacking in the sacrifice of Christ. What can possibly be lacking in the sacrifice of Jesus? Nothing except for one, that the sacrifice of the members of his body is still being waited for. Jesus comes and he builds for himself a body, which is the church, which is you and I. We are members of Jesus's body. 
We are identified with Jesus. We are, as a church, together, we are Jesus to the world. And Jesus died on the cross, and now his body, the church, must also die on the cross with him so that Christ and his body together die on the cross and then rise from among the dead and are ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God in glory. That is still being waited for. So every single one of us with him must complete the thing that he began. What does this mean? Jesus on the cross died so that we can be saved, but it's an invitation to salvation. And salvation for you and I, just like salvation for the world, happens only there. Only on the cross. In today's gospel reading, we see this with Mary, because Mary, being our mother, being the mother of Christ, and also our mother, is also, she's called an icon of the church. She is a representative for all of us. What happens with Mary as the perfect disciple of Jesus, as the perfect daughter of God, what happens to Mary is supposed to happen to every person that's going to be truly united to Christ and sanctified and going to heaven. What happens with Mary? Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and he says, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel and a sign that is to be spoken against. Great, he's the suffering servant. But then he looks at Mary and he says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. This is very interesting. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary. It seems so random. Why does he have to include this? Why, do he ha why does he have to say this to Mary? In the church, this is not yet a doctrine, but it is a title that's given to her by popes, by the Second Vatican Council, and many church documents. General theology would, say, would use this term for Mary. It is called co-redemptrix. Jesus is the sole redeemer of the world. He saves the world alone. But remember, Jesus is himself not alone. We are members of his body. We are part of Jesus. And so Jesus is saving the world still in you and I. Jesus is still dying on the cross in, in you and in me. When you carry your cross and I carry my cross, Jesus is still carrying his cross in you and in me. But the first and most prime and the, most, and the greatest example of this is Mother Mary herself. She's co-redemptrix. She took part. She participated in the redemption of the world when she offered perfectly all of her sufferings in union with Christ. When Jesus is dying on the cross, she's at the foot of the cross with him, dying in her heart while he's dying in the body. And that death of heart, that death of self, she doesn't complain about it, and she doesn't whine about it, and she doesn't say, why God, why is this happening to me? And she doesn't get bitter about it, and she doesn't rage about it, and she doesn't say, we have to change the Roman policy here. Crucifixion shouldn't be allowed. She doesn't go about starting some political activist groups to stop the act of crucifixion. She accepts it from God. And she unites her suffering with Christ to God. And in doing that, she's become 
co-redemptrix of the world. She has participated in the redemption of the world. Activism, I'm not against it personally. I'm not saying that it's something bad. But when it serves as a replacement for the true religious act, which in today's world it, it has, largely speaking, when it serves as a, as a replacement, when work and activism re replaces true prayer and a true offering of self to God, it's become evil. Activism, apart from a good spiritual foundation, is evil. Much like politics or political, political agendas and political moves and all these kinds of things, apart from a true foundation in God, always become evil. Much like anything, when separated from true union with God as its end, always becomes evil. That's what the devil did. What does it mean for you and I? We have to regain a sense of what true Christian life is. True Christian life is when my wife or my husband or when my kid or when an extended member of my family or somebody else is really bothering me, does something really unjust to me. We have to really stop lashing out at people for doing that. And we have to be able to take it more often. And we have to be able to say, Lord, you were actually lashed with whips. And for you, I'm going to accept this from this person. When people mock us and they laugh at us, instead of mocking them back, instead of lashing out at them, we should be able to say in our hearts, Lord, you were spit on and you were mocked for me. Let me receive this then for you and offer it in union with him. When people, our boss or somebody else treats us unjustly, let us be able to say, Jesus, you were treated very unjustly for me. Let me take this for you as well. This is not me promoting pacifism. It's not me saying no one should ever fight back, nobody should ever stand up for themselves. I'm not saying that at all. But that's pretty much all we do now. And I'm saying let's go back to a good center where we can understand again that crosses exist in this world. Suffering does exist in this world. Let's meet it head on and let's do it properly. And the way to do it properly is by uniting it to Christ, accepting it without complaint, without whining, without raging, without becoming bitter, without turning against God when God is actually inviting us into this great act of salvation. Because I'll tell you what, you and me, Mary is co-redemptrix of the world, you and me are invited to become co-redeemers with Jesus and Mary also. And any time one of us makes that act interior, interiorly to God and says, I will accept this cross from you in love of you, we have just done more than any political system you will ever imagine. We have just done more than any emperor you could name. We have just done more than any president of the United States has ever done. And that's why Mary, who is a little girl from Nazareth, from an unknown place, coming from an unknown family, and is a totally unknown person herself, becomes the greatest historical figure in all of history next to Jesus himself, because she perfectly united herself to God. And she has done more to affect goodness in the world than anybody else besides him. Brothers and sisters, 
Your call as a Christian, as is mine, is salvation. But salvation means obedience to God, obedience to God through concrete reality. Let's stop fighting against bad things that happen to us and sometimes accept it in love. That will do much more. That will really make a difference. Amen.